So this is Kathy Dixon with our next episode of Launch Pros, and I am joined today with by A.J. Edelstein? Edelstein. Edelstein, let's get that right, from Restaurant Brokers here in Tempe, Arizona. So welcome, A.J. Good to be here. All right, so tell me a little bit about what Restaurant Brokers does. Okay, uh, first of all, Restaurant Brokers was established in 1980, so we've been around for 37 years now. Uh, I haven't been here all that time, but my partner, who's sitting in the office next to us there, started it. And basically, the Restaurant Brokers is a niche commercial real estate company that specializes in the buying and selling of restaurants, bars, nightclubs, and related type businesses. So the reason for the Restaurant Brokers is from a business operations perspective, it's a very specialized field. And what you find is that people that just buy and sell commercial real estate or buy and sell businesses generically don't really have the depth of knowledge for restaurants because there's a lot of specific issues when it comes to licenses, equipment, health departments, you know, all of the various rules, regulations, and things that are attributable to operating a restaurant business that just simply don't come into play with other businesses. So you, I can see this as being a real benefit if you're, if you're interested in purchasing a restaurant to have, go to someone who's an expert rather than trying to figure it out yourself. We certainly think so, yes. <laughs> I, I, I certainly <laughs> would think it would be helpful. Absolutely. So how did you end up um, in this line of work? Ah, okay. Well, uh, I've been here for 12 years now, but prior to that, I was a lifer, food and beverage, restaurant business person. Oh, So that's all I did, you know, from very early on uh, was be involved in the restaurant industry all the way up from, you know, starting out as a line level employee to uh, COO of the company that I left before I came to work here. And the reason that I do this, which is something that your listeners ought to uh, kind of take, you know, take into account is the restaurant business is very consuming. Uh, it gets in your blood. It's hard to get away from it. And so this is basically my fix. Mm -hmm. I'm around the restaurant business all the time, but I'm not up to here in it every <laughs> single day. Because it's a, it's a lot of work. It, it really is. It takes a great deal of commitment. It takes a lot of passion. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of focus. And so um, to stay at that level of intensity that's required to be successful for a long period, you know, it, it gets to you after a while. So I get to enjoy being around it. I love doing what I'm doing now, and we have a lot of fun. Uh, love restaurant people. The people that are in the business are great to be around, and uh, we really enjoy what we do here. So you get to be part of the business, but not consumed by the business. Right. I don't get the, you know, so-and-so didn't show up for work calls. I don't get the equipment broke down calls. I don't get any of that stuff. Not the five o'clock in the morning nope. the refrigerator went down overnight? Nope, not at all. <clears throat> yes. So I can see that. Um, so one of the things that I'd like us to talk about is location. And so how do people choose locations and how would you guide them in that process of making a choice about locations? Well. You know, locations are very much tied to concept, vision, and 
expectation. So what I mean by that is that depending on the style of food that you have or the style of service that you offer, you're going to look for different things. For example, if you're a full service, you know, upscale dining, full meal kind of a place, you are going to look for visibility, access from the highway, traffic count going by, parking on site. Those are all going to be extremely important things to you. If you are maybe more of a lunch-oriented place that serves salads and sandwiches, then daytime employment is going to be far more important to you. If you're fast casual and you're a place that you know people can just pop right in, then you're going to look for foot traffic. So these are all things that factor into how you determine where you want to go because you want to be compatible with your environment. If you put a concept in that could be a great concept, but it's in the wrong location, it will still fail no matter how good it is. You know, you have to be in sync with sort of what's going on around you. So these things factor in. Now, look, there's definitely some AAA locations that, you know, are good for multitudes of restaurants. But there are others that are good for some and not good for others. So, you know, that's where you have to study. There are demographics available. Um, and I think that they are worthwhile to get that information, but really being physically on site and seeing who comes, who goes. Um, one of the terms that we use in the restaurant industry is called day parts. And that means what do you do for lunch, who's around, happy hours a day part, evenings a day part, late nights a day part. If you're a place that serves breakfast, that would be another day part. So you really need to study all the different day parts, all the different days of the week to determine if what you're trying to offer is a fit for what's available at that location. And it's not just as easy as going out there once, checking it out. It's not just reading one report. You really have to have an understanding of what you're going to do there and how that location works for you. All right, great. Thank you so much. Um, I think that really helped our, our listeners understand this because I think sometimes we just, we like a spot, maybe it's convenient to us, and we forget that that's not going to be very effective. Another thing I want you to kind of address is the, the options there are in terms of owning a business, you know, whether it's purchasing a, a operating restaurant or other options and how those worked and, and how the economic impact of those are. Well, um, there are several, several ways to own and operate a restaurant. So let's start with the biggest, uh, most capital intensive way that would be to purchase real estate. Now, purchasing real estate certainly has benefits. It's the one scenario where you're building equity over time and because you own it, that value that you're paying every month when you would be paying rent in another scenario basically helps build your equity. However, uh, it's extremely capital intensive. You have to have the funding and you have to have the wherewithal to go through the entire process, land development, permitting, architecture. And, you know, that's an area where anybody who's starting out absolutely needs qualified professionals working with them to design and build a restaurant. Uh, it's an extremely important aspect of what you do the logistics and ergonomics in the design of a restaurant 
can make or break how much money you can make there. I'll just give you an example. If you design a kitchen where it takes five guys to make a sandwich and people have to run from here to there to go get all the ingredients, you'll never be profitable. It has to be efficient, it has to be well designed, and you have to keep the customers in mind. You know, you just spoke a minute ago about getting a place that's convenient to you. Uh, doing things that you like in the restaurant industry is a sure way to go out of business. You have to keep in mind what the customers like and focus on that, not what you like. Yeah. If you are extraordinarily busy selling stuff you hate, that's good. You'll make a lot of money. If you love everything but nobody else does, it's not going to save you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that, that comes to be the same thing in terms of, you know, getting, you know, designing and building a restaurant. And that's whether you acquire the real estate or not. But the capital that you need to raise is going to be substantially different. Um, then the second way is to, which is, is probably the most common way and the way most restaurants start, is to lease a space and then go in and build the space out. So if you go to any shopping center, what you'll typically see is that, you know, there's all these shop fronts, everything kind of looks alike when it starts out, and then the restaurant goes in, it uh, designs and demol it demolishes everything that's in there, it designs whatever its decor packages and, and however they're going to lay out the space and builds it out. The third way, um, which again is, is pretty typical and pretty standard, almost every shopping center mall you go into, every restaurant you see started out that way. We feel like the best way to uh, get a restaurant, if you can, if it works for you, is to acquire what we call second generation space. And this is a space that's already turned into a restaurant. So if you buy this business from someone else that's already turned into a restaurant or it's a space that was turned into a restaurant that's vacant the upside of this is there's a lot of investment that needs to go into building a restaurant space that if you can get the space with it already in there it's very helpful in terms of what you spend to open a unit grease traps plumbing restrooms hoods, walk-ins, these things are very expensive to put in. If you can get the space with them already in there, it's going to help you a great deal in your unit cost. And just to expand on that a little bit, the reason unit cost is important is if you are able to, just, just pick out a couple of numbers here, a 3,000 foot space, if you're going to build it out yourself, is going to cost two to $300 a square foot. That means it's going to cost six to $900,000. If you can acquire that space with a lot of that already in there and you can drive that cost down to 200000 with just the changes you want to make to what's already there, you now have opened a unit for 200000 That means you don't have to repay back somewhere between 400000 and 700000 of debt service, which means that you can A, be more profitable. B, you can create a competitive advantage for yourself because you don't have that debt service. You might be able to put a little more on the plate. You might be able to charge a little less than your competitor because you have that advantage. So it's, it's worthwhile pursuing if it's available to you. I can see that that second generation space would be a, a great way to go for many operations. Yes. And so at times you can buy the whole concept of the business. So you're buying the menus, the 
um, trademark the websites. But do you see people buying that space and then turning it into their own operation? Absolutely. There are times when they strictly want the location or what they can buy the business for, including all of those things, whether they use them or not, is still way less than they would pay to build it themselves. And that's in, in really a lot of instances. So what we see is people buy the business, they may use some of it, they may use none of it, they may use all of it. And usually you have the right to do that depending on how you buy the business. There are some biz business deals that get done that must be conversions, but there are also some that you can use any of those things if, if you want to. Yeah, whatever part you want, and then you can get rid of the parts that, that don't work for you. Ex exactly. So I have a question about, um, you mentioned earlier about health codes and building codes. If you purchase a second generation space and there is, now when they come in to do the health inspection, things that maybe they were allowing before now are going to have to be, they were maybe grandfathered in, but now you're, the new rule is somewhat different. Do you come across that happening? An extremely sore subject, yes, <laughs> ab absolutely. It happens all the time. So what you do is there is a pre-purchase inspection that you can get from the health department. I believe it's $250, so it's very economical. So before you apply for your license, you go down to the health department and you say, I want to buy this business and I want to get a pre-inspection. And they will, go, they will go through and they will give you a list of what's in compliance and what's not in compliance. Now, to be truthful, the health department is not always consistent with what one inspector sees as incompliant and another inspector sees. So uh, I think if you talk to any restaurateurs, they will tell you that, you know, there's, there's definitely some work to be done there in terms of consistency. But in the specific instance you're talking about to protect yourself uh, so that nothing major, you know, comes up, because there are things in the code that have changed. So especially if you're buying an older restaurant, sorry, um, if you're buying an older restaurant, you need to be wary of code changes. Uh, there's a lot of things that used to be allowed that aren't now. In fact, one of the biggest things that's out there are grease traps. So what used to be allowed in many restaurants, a four to 600 gallon trap, which is the the metal box that sits under the three compartment sink, those are no longer allowed and they want full interceptors outside. That's a cost that can go from about fifteen to $40,000 um, that can come up as a big surprise if you are not aware of it. So the difference between a trap, you know, in the floor in the kitchen and an interceptor, a thousand gallon, fifteen hundred gallon interceptor is, you know, like burying a small car in the uh, in the parking lot. So these can these can be extremely expensive. And what's occurred is during this boom of restaurants that we've seen, uh, some of the sewer systems have gotten overloaded, and they're being much stricter on uh, forcing these interceptors. And in some situations, it's extremely difficult just because of the physical lay of the land. If you're in downtown Phoenix somewhere and you now are forced to put an interceptor in it can be a deal killer. So it's a great heads up for you to give to everybody out there that they need something they need to watch out for. Well, that's, that's helpful. Are these the kind of things that you can, can help guide your It's all your we clients? do, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're here for. And that goes back to the idea of, of having a professional, and I would say not only an architect, because I've been through this with building of some kitchens, 
not just an architect, but an architect that has specialization in restaurant design, and not just the run-of-the-mill architect, because they, it is a specialty that is within a specialty, and if you don't get the right guy or girl to do this job for you, you're going to have a mess. Um, uh, it, it absolutely is. It, it's really the, the thought process behind our entire business is that this is a specialized business, and if you don't get people with specialized knowledge to be your designers, your architects, your builders, your, your brokers, your insurance people, your vendors and the professionals that you deal with need to know restaurants very well or it will cost you dearly uh, it, and, and could be even worse than that. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to share with about, about choosing a concept or how the location impacts concept? No, I think we'll discuss the phenomenon, though, of, you know, locations that seem to do really well and then suddenly don't, or locations that have multiple failures and, you know, no one can seem to figure it out, and all of a sudden somebody pops in there and, wow, it's going great. Um, with very few exceptions, those are operational issues. So the the restaurant business really... Uh, first and foremost, it's a service and hospitality business. It's a also a food quality business. But for those that operate it, it's a thin margin business. It's easier to lose money than it is to make money if you're not a good operator. And being a good operator really means being very hands-on with you know, knowing and understanding your products, what goes on the plate, just again, overly simplified examples, but the national average on profitability for a restaurant is under five cents on the dollar. So what that means is that, you know, if you've spec'd out your menu and you're charging, you know, to put seven ounces of chicken breast on your chicken sandwich and you put eight instead, you now have eroded that margin and you're not gonna make money. And it's a very price sensitive market out there. So you need to be aware, you know, those, those extra fries, uh, somebody overcooking something and throwing it in the garbage and having to redo it, any sort of waste over portioning, uh, you know, being loose with supplies, paper towels, all the things, there, there's a thousand ways to lose money in a restaurant and you really need to be tuned in and focused on it in order to be profitable because in the end the only way to be sustained is to be profitable no one no one can lose money indefinitely certainly there's startup time and ramp up time and market penetration and there you know you're investing into your business but over the long term you cannot continue to operate if you don't make money sad but true mm -hmm. uh, you know one thing I hear a lot is um, and it's is the idea that, oh, but I love to cook, and, and that that qualifies you to, to open a restaurant. And um, what would you say were the qualifications that you would really think a person should have before they open a restaurant? Well, you know, look, to say, you know, the odds of being successful go up greatly if, if you're experienced. There's, there's no question about it. But look, you've got to start somewhere. You know, no one was born with experience. But I would say that the more you know about it, the better off you are. And if you don't specifically, then 
you need to have a lifeline to somebody that does. Uh, whether they're a friend, they're a partner, they're an investor, whoever they are, you've got to have that knowledge because there's too many places to make mistakes. Yeah, if you cost yourself money, it's like lost sleep, you can never get it back. And so, you know, these are, are things that you absolutely have to stay focused on. So in, in addition to this, uh, if you're going to own and operate a restaurant, I highly recommend that you have sort of the basketball team mentality uh, with regard to who you have on your team. Um, everybody can't be a center, everybody can't be a guard. You need people that have different skill sets and between you, you know, you can do a great job operating the business. You know, you need the, the analytical watch the numbers guy to help with all of your bookkeeping, data entry, and all of those things. You need the engaging front of the house personality that owners are going to love. You need the, you know, organized person who's going to make sure that everything gets scheduled right and products get received right. And so having this, you know, blend of skill sets is really critical to a restaurant operating correctly. If you want to surround yourself with everybody just like you, you're not going to get it done. So that ability to have a team and for everybody to have a function that contributes to how the business operates and for them to be good at that particular thing, that's really important. If you're not that front of house person that likes to smile and greet everybody and, you know, really be that engaging personality, don't do that. Hire somebody that does it or put somebody on your management team that does it. You can't be all things to all people in a restaurant. It's not doable. And if it's doable, it's not sustained for sure. So one of the things I've got a question for you is um, partnerships versus sole proprietorships. My instinct says that a ship has more of a chance of blowing up, that a sole proprietorship would allow you to um, hire the people you need, but you would still be in charge. Right. What's, what's your experience then? Yes, look, ultimately someone needs to be the ultimate decision maker. So whether it's, you know, in a partnership or not, but just as a matter of course, it's hard to be partners with anybody. You know, it, it really is. Even I would when you say, love them. Even <laughs> when you love them. Uh, because, you know, there's, there's things that go wrong. It's a business, you know. Um, so I would highly recommend if you're able to, you know, do it without partners that you do, or if you get partners, have them be investors only, not, you know, not operating partners. Typically, there's only room for one operating partner. And, you know, that person needs to drive the boat and everybody needs to row in the same direction. Okay, that's, that's kind of my sense, but um, I was just curious about yours. What advice would you give to anyone wanting to open a restaurant? You know, I mean, I know, first of all, you better have a lot of energy, but what else? Well, you know, look, it's a hard way. You know, I think that, you know, putting your expectations in line with reality is pretty important. The restaurant business is difficult. It really isn't. I know it gets glamorized a lot, you know, and for, for some reason we've sort of moved in this direction of, you know, everybody wants to be you know guy fieri or whatever and that's not the real world of the restaurant business the real world is 
organized, dedicated, you know, uh, focused, and, uh, you know, and there's a lot of work. So I, I think, you know, take your own temperature and make sure that, you know, this is really what you want to do and the business actually is what you think it is. It's not hanging out and partying and getting paid for it. You know, that's not what, uh, you know, owning and operating a restaurant is. Then I think that, you know, you, you, you know, if you sort of pass that test with yourself, go ahead and unleash your passion. But the best advice I think we could give to anybody is to be really prepared because there's a lot of surprises. And if you don't really dig into it and really understand what's going to come at you in terms of rules, regulations, hiring people, staffing, training, ordering products, product management, you know, quality control, all the things that are part and parcel to it. If you're not really, really prepared, it makes it very difficult. And if you open your business unprepared, you usually don't get a second chance to fix that. You know, we find that if you sort of blow up right when you open and don't, you know, don't create a good experience for everybody, there's a lot of competition out there and the customers are not very forgiving. And that's only gotten worse as Yelp and all the other online things have come out there to make everyone a food critic now. You better have your ducks in a row. You better really be prepared. And there's a lot of work to do on the front end of opening your restaurant. And the reason that preparation is so key is when all of that comes together and you put all the work in and you've done it all and you've gotten it open, that's not when you get to exhale. Now you're open. Now there's customers in the equation. So that stretch now from I worked really hard and busted my butt to get this place open, now the work really begins. So, you know, check your energy, check your passion, check your enthusiasm and make sure that you're prepared. And if you don't know the answers, go find somebody who can help you get them or can connect you to somebody who can give them to you because it's too critical. You, you can make major mistakes right when you open that you can't recover from. Thank you so much because I, I like that balance because I think sometimes at my house I get called the dream smasher. <laughs> and I, I don't want us to be dream smashers for people. And I like what you said, you know, check who you are. And if, if you've got what it takes, then, then go for it. Unleash that passion. But if but be realistic about who you are and what you're capable of. And because there's other opportunities out there that are in the food business still that don't require the same kind of, of output and energy levels that owning a restaurant does. Absolutely. And if you're not quite sure, maybe go and work for somebody for a while, you know, really investigate it, you know, before you sort of put your neck on the block there, you know, maybe, you know, you think you've got the passion and, you know, you're not, you're not quite sure, you know, it's, it's good, you know, get another perspective, go and, and work with someone or work for someone for a while and see if, you know, it really is what you want it to be because the last thing I would want to do is dissuade anybody. There's a lot of operators in our valley right now that we sold them their first unit and they've got a bunch now, you know, everybody started somewhere, you know, I mean, the, uh, the guy from, uh, you know, Upward Projects, uh, you know, that has uh, all the stuff there down on, down on Central who's doing phenomenally well, I mean, 
He was a bartender down on Mill Avenue at one point. You know, everybody started somewhere, so we don't want to squash dreams, but we do want to make sure everybody understands what they're getting themselves into because it's a lot. And what I can promise anybody that says that they want to open a restaurant, there will be a bunch of roadblocks there that you're going to have to run through. If you're not, if you're somebody who at the first sign of trouble goes, yeah, I guess it's not to be, don't do it because you're going to have things that are going to come up and bite you. You're going to have to figure them out. You're going to have to find a way to get beyond them, and it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And if you're not prepared for that, it's not going to go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your insights today. I sure do appreciate it. Um, I I would really think that if I was going to open a business, you'd be someone I'd, I'd come and hunt down because I think that would be really, really helpful. And we thank you again, and um, hopefully, We'll have people running up to, to do this, but they'll be prepared when they do it. Well, um, you know, when you find them, send them our way. When they're ready to open one up, we're happy to help them. All right. Thanks so much. All right. You're welcome. <laughs>